So Speaker McCarthy ousted and now what? Republicans attacking one another is what makes us special, but it's also what makes us electoral and strategic losers. But at least we feel good about ourselves, I guess. The show starts now. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. In a historic move, Gates and Democrats successfully removed House Speaker Kevin McCarthy from his post. Now, I'm no McCarthy apologist, but here is my issue. Removing McCarthy with no contingency plan was a boneheaded and self-absorbed move. And yeah, Matt Gates, I'm talking about Matt Gates. He might love the country, but he loves himself and the sound of himself and the look of himself even more. So now what? Before removing a speaker, you should probably figure out what the hell you're going to do next, because otherwise it's just more grandstanding for attention and for clicks. But Democrats love this, by the way. They would never do this to Nancy. Even the radical liberals of the squad didn't do this and wouldn't do this. Bertie wouldn't do this. None of them, even the wildest and most rabid liberals of the bunch, they still stick together. But on the GOP side, oh no, no. Because many of our representatives would rather win social media followers than elections, and that's pretty clear. And we want independents to vote for this? This is compelling? No, this is embarrassing. Establishment Republicans want to get rich, and some mega-Republicans want to be celebrities. I'm not sure which one is worse, but where is the vision? Where is the plan for the American people? A realistic plan that can actually be executed in real life, not Megadonia or social media. I'm fed up, but I'm sure my next guest is watching it all go down with popcorn in hand, because shoot, I would be too if I were a Democrat. Joining me now from the other side of the aisle is host of The Leslie Marshall Show, Leslie Marshall. All right, Leslie, I'm just going to jump right into it. I'm sure that you must be loving this right now. As I said, if I were in your position, I would think this was just the greatest thing since sliced bread, watching Republicans just attack each other into the oblivion. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely, definitely have had the popcorn. Um, you know, look, uh, what uh, both parties have fragmentation. But, you know, when you have a party that's in power by such a slim majority in the House, and, and you have a leader that really isn't leading. And what he seems to be doing is, uh, interestingly enough, trying to put forth the agenda 
of, you know, a former president who's hoping to be president again and looking like he will be the GOP nominee right now, and that is Donald Trump. And certainly, if you listen to Hakeem Jeffries, uh, Democrats, you know, don't want that. They want somebody who's going to be able to uh, not be um, uh, as uh, as MAGA, if you will, and be able to work on, you know, a bipartisan level, because at the end of the day, what's best for the country, you know, I think both sides have the same goals in a sense, but different ways to get there. But as we've seen with infrastructure and other things uh, in this administration, at least, it is possible for both sides to work together. But McCarthy, you know, really hasn't been able to uh, lead his people. I would agree with you, though, that, you know, Republicans shouldn't have started this because you got to have a plan B if you're ousting plan A. Yeah, you know, I, I would love this whole spirit of bipartisanship, but that's not really what my focus is. My focus is getting Republicans together to have a united, strong front to take on the Democrat agenda. It doesn't bother me to take on the Democrat agenda. Uh, I think that's what we ought to be doing. But unfortunately, it's such a weird situation here. You've got Matt Gates, who is a Trump loyalist, and then you've got Kevin McCarthy, who's also kind of a Trump loyalist, or at least Trump likes him when McCarthy says nice things about him. So you've got two that are both kind of in the Trump camp, but they're fighting amongst each other, one trying to be more mega than the other, accusing the other of working with Democrats, and then you've got Matt, Matt Gates, who actually worked with Democrats to get rid of Kevin McCarthy, who says he won't run again. And now we've got some other options being thrown at the wall, one of which I really like, which is Congressman Jim Jordan. I think he would be a fantastic speaker. But I just don't understand, and maybe you can help give us a lesson from the other side of the aisle. What is it that Democrats are able to do? What spell do y'all cast to get all of you to come together and unite, because I am very curious how you think that it's able to happen on your side, but really never on my side. Well, it's interesting because I, in 2016, was saying exactly what you were saying, but about your party, about the GOP. Because in 2016, we had a guy named Bernie Sanders, and his followers were really angry and either stayed home or voted for Donald Trump just to spite Hillary Rodham Clinton, who would have been president, you know, with the numbers, um, and certainly uh, would have been the first, uh, you know, female president, which uh, I wanted as a woman, and I wanted to have my team get that, uh, to be honest. But, you know, my side, the Democrats, you know, look, I always said back then, and even before then, but certainly and specifically in 2016, the Democrats need to take a page out of the Republican playbook and work together because in 2016, we saw Republicans holding their nose and voting for Donald Trump and, you know, and coming together. Republicans have lost that. I'm so glad my party has embraced uh, that coming together. I don't think it's a spell. I think they saw that um, there is power in numbers. Uh, united we stand, divided we fall. And I'm sorry to use all these cliches, but they are true. Uh, and they are definitely true in politics. Look, it doesn't help the party. It doesn't help the American people if you can't within your party work together. And when there's another election, what, what are voters going to say? Well, you couldn't get your stuff together. and You couldn't work together. You know, I'm going to try the other team, you know, and we've seen that, you know, elections are cyclical. And we've seen that that, you know, it's, you know, voters are very fickle and they're very impatient, you know, so it's sort of like two years, you know, okay, you know, we'll give somebody else a chance. It's always that slim margin, though, because both sides like to reelect people they complain about for two years. Right. 
What frustrates me is I don't think that Republican voters or independent voters really care about who the Speaker of the House is. I, I really don't. I think to most average people, it doesn't really matter to them. In fact, I think a lot of Americans couldn't even tell you who the Speaker was. I think they care far more about getting things done. And if they voted for Republicans, they'd like to see Republicans get the things done that they elected them to do. And this charade, this circus, is not helping in that. So we're getting these little victories like, oh, we're going to hold Kevin McCarthy accountable. But is it edging us any closer to the agenda? No. That's why I'm frustrated. There could be a better speaker out there. I think that there always has been better options. I love Jim Jordan. I, I wanted him to run from the get-go. But this just looks like a circus, and I don't know how we get closer. And I think going back to what you said about the Bernie of it all and the Hillary Clinton, I think Hillary Clinton was so disliked that nobody wanted to help her, one. And two, Bernie at the end, though, he did sit down, even with this last go-around with Biden. Bernie still sat down. Even though his followers felt like he was being screwed over by the DNC, he still got in line. We know Nancy Pelosi has an incredible ability to even get the squad members in line. What do you think it is? What do you think is so more, so much more compelling on that side that eventually gets all of these people to work in concert with one another on your side? Well, if we're going to look specifically at Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy, um, you know, one, she is more experienced. Two, she's a woman. Sorry, Tommy, you know, we get things done better <laughs> than the guys do at the end of the day. Um, but, but that aside, I just think there's more respect for Nancy Pelosi in the party than there is for Kevin McCarthy. That's evident by what's happening here. And I do feel like, look, Nancy Pelosi, you know, is, you know, when she was House Speaker, it's about what? It's about Democrats. It's about what Democrats promised. It's about the package, the agenda. And, you know, there's a split among uh, Republicans as to whose agenda. Is it the Republican, moderate mainstream Republican agenda, which the majority of voters, um, or is it the MAGA? Is it the Trump, the former president agenda? And, and Kevin McCarthy, it, you know, one of the things, if you have your feet on both sides of the fence, you're going to get hurt out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can't be in the middle of the road and especially um, as speaker and especially um, as leader. Um, and, you know, we we saw that. I mean, we really have a very brief stopgap measure in place. You know, this is going to go through again. And Kevin McCarthy might be speaker again, as you know. But, um, you know, I feel I feel that's largely the difference between him and, and Nancy Pelosi, because, you know, she's she's done it longer. I mean, and she's done it successfully and effectively longer. I got to give her that. She really knows how to get people in line. I mean, she really did deal with the AOCs and the Ilhan Omar's of her party and she dealt with them well and <laughs> we just can't do that and I think on the Republican side there are a lot of people that care more about personality and elevating their own personality than they do about getting the objectives done and that's what I'm seeing it's frustrating to me with the Matt Gates, with Lauren Boebert, with Marjorie Taylor Greene you know I might agree with most of what they say but this attention seeking uh, just consistent desire to be in front of the camera is annoying me to no end. They want to be Donald Trump. They're not Donald Trump. And to me, they're just, they're becoming an annoyance in the entire process. But I want to turn now to the state of California. Um, we could talk about a lot of issues in California. There are many, but I want to go to this. What is your take on the Gavin Newsom appointment of LaFonza Butler to the Senate? Was that a good move? It checked a lot of boxes, Leslie, but was it a good move? Well, certainly time will tell, but I, I do think it is a good move. I mean, you know, as far as the party goes, I mean, she's, uh, you know, very uh, pro-union. She's very pro-labor. He did make a promise, although I don't think he should have, um, you know, to say I'm going to uh, appoint an African-American uh, female. 
uh, in this position. And, you know, that, you know, box has been checked as well. But, you know, I uh, personally, I have a lot of respect for Emily's list, uh, you know, which she was heading up uh, prior to this uh, senatorial appointment. Um, because they, you know, and if you just look since its creation, there have been both Democrat and Republican, uh, many, many more women in local offices, state offices, uh, and federal offices uh, that have run and that have won. Um, and Emily's list has been very supportive in that. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm excited about, you know, to see what she can do. Obviously, you know, it's a temporary, you know, appointment until the next election. Um, you know, but I'm hopeful. Uh, and I think if you look at her track record, at least, you know, as a Democrat with Democratic uh, Democratic policies and agenda, um, you know, she's right on. And I think it was a good pick. Does it bother you at all that she listed her residence as Maryland not too long ago? Because there's been a, a lot of discussion about that. And then they quickly scrubbed all references of Maryland from her bios. I mean, representing California when you had Maryland all over your stuff a week ago. That's a little interesting. I'm sure it's just gonna, you know, go away, fade away. But for me, I thought that was an interesting move by Gavin Newsom. You know, your senator from California, actually from Maryland. Well, I live in California. We're originally from Massachusetts, and I do have I own my mom's house, you know, in Massachusetts. So I could put down numerous addresses. You know, look, she's representing the people of California. We all know that whether it's a House member or a Senate member, once they move to DC. Uh, you know, they not, I, I would say most of them are not visiting their home districts as much, much as they should, especially those who live farther away. Um, and, uh, you know, that that that's a complaint. It's one of the reasons AOC got her seat. Right. You know, she's there, you know, and it was among her people um, in her district. Uh, but uh, no, that doesn't bother me, uh, you know, especially because, you know, a lot of people in these positions, you know, have numerous homes, numerous addresses it, especially for you used to be here in California and it, it's very common for people on the West coast to have a residence somewhere in the East, especially if you're involved in anything political. And Emily's list obviously was very heavily involved politically and you had to have a presence in DC as well. Well, I want to turn to another California story. I think you'll get a kick out of this one, Leslie. So being that you are a Californian, I, I just have to get your take. Uh, a large homeless encampment in Berkeley is overrun with filth, needles. It's become a biohazard. You know, a judge ruled the city has the right to clean it up, thank goodness. But there are some very interesting stipulations, very California-esque. The residents, the, the campers, the freelance humans, if you will, they have to consolidate their possessions to be stored, including their tents. Now, if their tents are at all damaged in this process, they have to be replaced. And these residents will be put up in hotels or other housing that they don't have to leave after this cleaning process, by the way. But the council for these campers says that this is not good enough because the motels that they're going to place them in, they have rules and regulations, so that is just unfair to these homeless individuals. Homelessness, a huge problem in California, but interesting to me the way this one's playing out. Well, since the pandemic, homelessness is a problem in almost every major city in the United States, whether it's a, a Democratic state and Democratic city, run city or uh, Republican. But California, as you know, we have the largest population and you do have huge cities. But I will tell you this. Um, I got married in 1996 and my husband was doing residency in San Francisco and we didn't have kids and he had grueling schedule because residency with doctors is like boot camp, right, in a sense. 
uh, you know, uh, for the military without weapons, different weapons, scalpels, right? Um, so we used to, because we were newlyweds, we used to do these little mini breaks on, on the weekends. We'd go up to Napa, and I'm from the East Coast, so I hadn't seen a lot of California. And um, we wanted to go to Berkeley, and I wanted to see UC Berkeley, because I'm, a, sorry guys, I'm a bit of a school snob. I went to <laughs> Northeastern University undergrad, I went to Emerson graduate, you know, we in Boston take our educational facilities very seriously. And um, when I got there, I have to be honest, it's 1996. I was like this and sorry, they're going to kill me. All my friends, his kids go to UC Berkeley. This is UC Berkeley because there were so many homeless people, specifically homeless teenagers um, that were um, living like, you know, on the streets and outside. So honestly, this is not new for Berkeley. I know people like to make it new because it's an election year coming up and like to make it, you know, look, uh, you know, so, you know, so much worse. but. It it's it's been that way and pretty bad for a very long time, for almost three decades. It certainly has, but this has been the same song and dance. I remember when this happened in Orange County. It's happened in L.A. County, where they want to clean the areas where these encampments are, these mass encampments. You know, they have a mass encampment in Anaheim area. They want to clean it out because it's dangerous. They want to sometimes clean waterways that are filled with feces and needles, so they have to move these people. They move them into these hotels, and they trash the hotels. There's needles everywhere. They're defecating on the floor. I mean, at some point, California's got to look at this and say, we've got a bigger problem here. I know it's not an easy solution, but it can't be a money problem. California has passed so many initiatives to deal with this and poured so much money into the homeless problem. I'm not sure if you see a solution in that state because it's not getting any better and it's getting so much worse. Our governor, as you know, on Fox, actually, in an interview with Sean Hannity, um, talked about ho homelessness and, and talked about how difficult it is. And it is difficult because it is not just about money, um, as you so rightly alluded to. Uh, we have a lot of huge problems with homelessness, not just because of population and size of our state, uh, but almost every city um, has this, but major cities have this problem. One is the cost of housing, whether it be rent or, or own. Um, uh, two, um, drug addiction, drug abuse. Uh, three, uh, mental illness. So it goes farther than just the uh, funding. And then, you know, four, you could say, you know, space. You, know, you think about it. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. This is not something you put a Band-Aid on. This is major reconstructive surgery. And it's very difficult because whether it is a senator, a House member, a president or a governor, no one entity has the power to do all of that because you're dealing with the private sector when you're dealing with housing. Um, and, you know, so, so you know, because I, I sometimes think, and be believe me, I inhaled, so I probably won't ever run. But if, I, you know, what would I do? Because this is a huge problem, you know, and voters care about this. These are human beings. And you don't want to just, you know, give everybody, you know, a hotel room. But there are a lot of people who need help. Mental illness, you can't force people, as you know, to have medication. You can't even force people to be tested. Um, do you just take their belongings? I mean, these are human beings. Um, and, you know, so, so you know, what, what do we what do we do about it? I got to be honest with you. I don't I don't have the answer to that. And I think that's part of the problem, because most politicians, you know, and to his credit, Gavin Newsom, I think, was at least honest about it. Most politicians won't say. I don't have the answer to it because he's even said I've thrown tons and tons of money at it. And that's not enough. That's not good enough. Um, and it's not even a teach them to fish 
kind of thing. Because when you get into addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, or both, and then or, or mental illness, and you know, there's all different factions. You know, I mean, there's families that are homeless because of housing costs. Um, but something has to be done about it, and not just in California. Something has to be done about it uh, nationally. Um, look, there are there are places like uh, Canada. Let's look at the, the the UK even, where they have incredible uh, amounts of resources with the uh, you know the level of taxation that is paid um, willingly by uh, most of its uh, citizens um, to combat that. And since the pandemic, it has you know worsened in in those countries you know as well. Um, so there again, money alone is not, not money take. alone. And then Leslie, I wish I had more time to talk to you about this, but I also uh, I'm a little skeptical of some of these contracts that are handed out to these these private companies to build these housing units. It seems it, to take them years to build a few units and billions have been poured into it. So I'm wondering whose friend of a friend got the contract and why it's so expensive to build this housing, why it takes so long, and why it's inadequate when it is completed. That's part of the question. And then also just the lack of law and order. You've got a lot of these people that would otherwise probably be in jail, but because of the policies in California are released back into the streets. And being homeless is a little easier in California than most places in the country because it's warm. And in a lot of cases, you can have beachfront property for your tent. So as part of this is like personal accountability that people, you can't force them to be accountable, but you can make their situation a little different so it's not so easy to be homeless. I know it's not an easy solution, but there's got to be something because but, putting them in know, hotel I, rooms or you could put them in the Ritz, it, it doesn't mean they're going to stop shooting up drugs and stop living, in many cases, a degenerate lifestyle. That's kind of the rule of thumb in California. Well, I live in California. I don't think I live a degenerate lifestyle unless a lot of my Well, the homeless population, but Leslie, no, I know just you joking, live in a very nice area, Leslie. I know you don't live in, in Venice Beach. I know you don't walk around Santa Monica. I know that where you are is a I do much walk around Santa Monica. Monica. There are there look, every every city has every city always uh, you know, has uh b- because you have rich and poor and, and somewhere in between. Um, you know, you have places that, you know, are more dangerous or you have, you know, areas that are not as pretty, uh, you know, and 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 clean. Um, but, you know, one of the things they do do that I like in London, and I really think that we should incorporate here, but it's hard because we have uh, different relationships between our government and the private sector, is in London, when they build um, a new apartment building, let's say, a certain percentage has to be lower income housing. And uh, they use different materials. Obviously, they're not going to have the really expensive high end, uh, you know, granite countertops or whatever with the condos, you know, they're selling or they're renting. Um, But a certain percentage has to be uh, lower income housing. And I think that's one way we could look at one element um, of the housing population that exploded uh, after the pandemic, during and after the pandemic and with the increased uh, and continuingly. Uh, increasing housing costs, not just here in California, but in major cities throughout the country. Yeah, but mostly in California. <laughs> Leslie, California is <laughs> unaffordable. I wish we could talk about it more. I always appreciate your take, and I hope that you're enjoying everything that's going on in the Republican Party right now, because like I said, if I were a Democrat, I would think this was great and fantastic. But best of luck with your incumbent <laughs> president. I will say we got you there. Leslie, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Sounds a good time. All right. But speaking Of total BS, let's turn to this. In 2021, a woman named Lindsay Hill accused L.A. Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer of beating and sexually assaulting her. 
Here she is uh, taking what appears to be a selfie video of her in bed with Trevor, looking quite jolly and not assaulted, but we'll get to that part later. Despite the fact that Lindsay Hill was denied a restraining order against Trevor and the DA's office opting not to bring criminal charges against Trevor Bauer, he was still suspended by the MLB for 194 games and then released. He's currently playing in Japan after no MLB teams would touch him thanks to this web of BS. Well, after two years of sabotage, lies, and the usual woke, feminist, me too, believe all women nonsense, the two parties have dropped their lawsuits against one another and Trevor Bauer is finally allowed to address the situation and the dirty gold digger that ruined his MLB career. Here are some highlights. Next victim, star pitcher for the Dodgers. A text Lindsay Hill sent to a friend before she ever even met me. What should I steal? She asked another in reference to visiting my house for the first time. The answer, take his money. So how might that work? I'm going to his house Wednesday, she said. I already have my hooks in. You know how I roll. Then, after the first time we met, net worth is 51 mil, she said. Better secure the bag, was the response. Uh, but, but how is she going to do that? Need daddy to choke me out, she said. Being an absolute try to get in on his 51 million, read another text. Uh, then, after the second time we met, former Padres pitcher Jacob Nix told her, you got to get this bag. I'll give you 50,000, Lindsay replied. Her AA sponsor asked her at one point, do you feel a tiny bit guilty? Not really, she replied. Since then, her legal team has approached me multiple times about coming to a financial settlement. But as I have done since day one, I refuse to pay her even a single cent. Uh, in August of 2021, Lindsay Hill's claims were heard in court. And during those legal proceedings, critical information was deliberately and unlawfully concealed from me and my legal team. Uh, information like this video, which was taken by Lindsay Hill herself the morning after she claimed she was brutally attacked, emotionally traumatized, and desperate to get away from me. Uh, and now we have the metadata, so there can be no dispute. Uh, it was taken mere minutes before she left my house on the morning of May 16th, 2021, without my knowledge or consent, of course. Yeah, those text messages were sent by Lindsay Hill to a friend before she even met Trevor. This calculated, thirsty, desperate, and morally depraved woman set out to ruin his life, his career, and line her dirty little pockets. She is an embarrassment to women and a slap in the face to real victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. But to give you a little more of a character background on this Lindsay Hill, here is a more recent video of her taken right here in Nashville, Tennessee. And as you can see, she's a daisy of a woman. Me too. It no, actually. Okay. You need to go. You need to go. You need to go, baby. They're getting the chair. No, actually, I'm sorry. It was in. Hey, don't do that. Metro's coming. Well, I want to make sure nothing happens. You can go. No, no, you can go. And she drinks Bud Light. But girls like that aren't the only problem. The MLB sports writers and specifically Commissioner Manfred owe Trevor Bauer an apology. They railroaded him to appease the woke crowd, but also because he was a thorn in their side. Joining me now with her take is sports commentator and host of the Michelle Tafoya podcast, Michelle Tafoya. Michelle, I saw you tweeted about this. This has been a hot topic in the sports world and the media world for the last couple of days. But interestingly, as OutKick has reported, all these sports writers that were so quick to judge Trevor Bauer, they are noticeably very silent now that the truth has come out. What do you make of that? 
Well, I think it's pretty typical, right? It, it, we, we In sports, you love to make these brash and bold statements and predictions. And when then they come wrong, it's crickets. And I think we're seeing the same thing. In fact, just before I came on with you, I was looking at this post in Yahoo Sports. And already, and this story is, what, about 25, 24 hours old? Already they've had to make clarifications and corrections on their story that were in favor of this woman and not in favor of Trevor Bauman. For instance, uh, the original post also misstated that Bauer is in current litigation with three other women accusing her of sexual assault. They had to correct that. So journalism's gotten very lazy. Um, and yes, this woman, Lindsay Hill, who went on at prime time with Alex, is it Alex Jones or something last night? I can't remember his name. Alex Stein, Alex Stein. I, I watched the entire interview. Um, she's She seems to be an operator. She seems to understand exactly what she is in control of and not in control of. But for her to say she's finally rid of Trevor Bauer, I mean, what she did and what she claimed, um, he was never arrested. He's never been charged. And Major League Baseball just dumped him. And, you know, I thought we were supposed to stay out of people's bedrooms. Uh, of course, real assault is real assault. But in this case, it does not appear to be legit. It appears to be something that was most consensual. If not, I'm wondering why she's still laying in his bed the following morning. Yeah, those text messages, man, talking about securing the bag. He's worth $51 million. Got to get that. Yeah. Got to get choked out real good to get the money. I mean, those are damning. That's premeditated there. You can't get around that. Yeah. There just really is no way to get around it when you have calculated that before you even meet the guy. And this girl has a track record of this in the sports yeah. world, by the way. She is known within the sports world. When this all broke, there were other MLB players that said, we know of her because this is her game. This is her operation, and it's sick. And she's far from the only one. This is getting attention now, but there are so many that do this. They ruin somebody's lives. They take pleasure in it. They want money. They want fame. They want to pay out. It's disgusting. But, you know, a, a lot of people are wondering, how come she's able to now get away with this, though? And, and I'm not a legal expert, right. but it just seems like, first of all, I feel like the MLB should be sued by Trevor Bauer for what they did to him. Now that we have the evidence and the information, they made him untouchable because of this. And second of all, yeah. she has nothing. She's going on and you know, she's so happy to move on with her life now. She ruined his life. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no question. I, You know, his name was out there for everyone to see from the get go. Her name not until yesterday, right? So as far as I know, it was just, for, she finally, so this is the problem with these allegations and people wanting us to believe all women. I'd love to, but women are capable of lying too. And it appears that this woman did. So we can't believe just all fill in the blank for the, for the purposes of virtue signaling. We can't do that. We have to ask questions. And some of these sports journalists are just too lazy to do that. They accept what's out there. I mean, we've, we've, got, we've got countless stories that show how lazy sports journalists can be. And in this case, that, that's the case. He, the point is, he has never been charged. He has never been arrested in any of these things that he has supposedly committed that he claims were consensual. And if they were all consensual, then he's done nothing wrong and people are taking advantage of him. And as you said, Ruin ruined his career. I mean, he does not get back anything that he's lost. And here she is sitting here going on Alex Stein primetime, uh, you know, all dressed up and trying to claim that she's just, you know, 
you don't know the half of it and you don't know what all went on. And maybe that's true. But then it's just so messy and it's just so wrong. And I, I agree with what Clay Travis said earlier. If you are going to accuse someone of something this serious, you should be held accountable if you have accused falsely. I think that needs to come into our legal system somehow, Tommy, because people's lives, Duke Lacrosse, we all go back to that one, can be ruined by this stuff. So many examples. But then I also look at this. You're from the sports world. You understand this far better than I do. But it seems really interesting to me, this, the selective nature of this. There are uh, pitchers um, in Major League Baseball right now who have done horrible things, who have been suspended for those things, but real domestic violence allegations that were real domestic violence situations, uh, attacking their wives, bloodying their wives, and a lot of them return to the game. And that's not just in baseball, that's in football, that's in every professional sport, collegiate, what have you. So it seems really interesting to me how the leagues pick and choose who is, is untouchable and who they want to distance themselves from and who is good enough to be brought back after a, a little suspension and a slap on the wrist. I don't know how this works, and I'm wondering if you see any other dynamics at play. Well, you know, this is a tripwire, <laughs> but I, it's he's a white guy, right? Mm -hmm. And he fits that narrative of a white man doing something wrong. And I think it's, quite frankly, Tommy, I think that that's that might be his um, undoing in this. I'm not sure. Uh, we are afraid, it seems to me, to hold everybody equal under the law in this country anymore. We see it in a million ways. Um, and even when he did get reinstated into the league, which I think was several months, like back in December, the Dodgers refused to take him back. They didn't want the problem, right? They didn't want the baggage, I believe, that probably comes along with him. So he continues to play in Japan. Uh, look, it, it, we've always talked about what happens in the bedroom should stay in the bedroom. She brought this out of the bedroom and into the, that video is so damning. She tried to explain that video, Tommy, by saying, well, my cousin knew I was at his house and I wanted to just kind of pretend like everything was okay, even though just a few hours earlier, I'd been shaking and crying. <laughs> if she was shaking, I, I, listen, far be it for me to put myself in her shoes. But if she was shaking and crying and really believed she had been sexually assaulted, she should have, and I would advise my daughter and anyone else to get the hell out of that place and go report it to the police immediately. That is not what happened. She she took this video of herself. She showed him in it. I, I'm just, you know, it, it, there, there's so much smoke and fog here. But the bottom line is she dropped her lawsuit and it, he was never charged or arrested in any of these instances. And I think that rich Athletes are targets. We've seen it time and time again. Not every woman in the world is honest and pure and virtuous and telling the truth all the time. That is the lesson. You can't say a man is guilty of something and kick him out of a league until you know all the facts. And I don't think all the facts were known here. They weren't. And he's actually been tweeting about this. Elon Musk even retweeting him, talking about how evidence was withheld.
But I think it says a lot about Trevor Bauer, who, you know, full disclosure, is an acquaintance of mine that I've known through this process. I also know his agent well, Rachel Luba. I've been talking to them for over a year now, wanting to talk about this. And they, they told me, we got to wait, we got to wait, we got to wait. But good for Trevor, because he didn't pay her. He wasn't going to pay her. And he wasn't going to just shut up either. He said, there's going to be no gag order here. I'm not just going to go away. I'm not right. just going to say, oh, yeah, we agreed and we're moving. No, he said, uh-uh, mm-mm, I don't care. I'm going to tell people what happened because it's my character that's been called into question here. So good for him for sticking to his guns and not paying this girl. This probably could have gone away a lot faster for him if he would have paid out. But I think he's setting a yeah. fantastic precedent here. And I also want to get your take on this as somebody who's been around athletes for your entire career. I think that there needs to be an educational seminar in the first day of spring training or the first day of whatever your, whatever training process you're going into in any major league, anything, probably even at the collegiate level. There needs to be a seminar for these young men who think with the wrong body part and be like, okay, so when you're going on a date yeah. with a woman, you know, there's some basic questions you should probably ask. There's probably some basic well, conduct Tommy, that you should follow. They do this in the NFL. They have these rookie days and they, these rookie seminars in which some of these uh, veterans come back and talk to these guys about their finances, about all of these you know, tripwires they may encounter early in their career and all the way through their career. That doesn't mean that every player plans wisely with his money or takes their advice. So, you know, every player, I think every most humans have this natural instinct to feel like I got this. I got this. I, I, I know whom I can trust, yada, yada. But and Trevor Bauer may have thought he could trust this girl because she'd been with and she admitted this in her interview with Alex Stein. She admitted, uh, yeah, I been around a lot of baseball players. I had dated a lot of baseball players. So you're right. This was kind of her operation, her next target, next victim, grab the bag, et cetera. What should I steal? Um, you know, and, and even if those texts are not totally contextualized, they're damning enough to suggest that she was just looking out for her own self-interest, looking for ways to, to make things happen for her. And uh, that that videotape is enough for me to say, if you are literally, and you didn't turn this over, and this is a videotape you are taking the day after what you said was something that left you shaking and crying, I'm inclined not to believe you. I'm sorry. That just, I can't believe my lion eyes here. Well, the good news is, I believe, uh, I don't know this for certain, but I believe that she lives here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I can tell you this, Michelle, the word has gone out. So she's going to have a hell of a time dating. She's going to have to maybe move to another state, maybe even another country, because ain't nobody touching that girl after this. So I hope she can get her 15 minutes of fame, look good for the cameras, because she's going to be untouchable and for good reason. Thank you so much for breaking this down with me. As always, I certainly appreciate it. Good to see you, Tom. Thanks, Michelle. All right. Folks, here is the takeaway from all of this. Women like Lindsay Hill are a dime a dozen. Cleat chasers and jersey chasers are crawling all over the professional sports world, sinking their dirty talons into whatever athlete they can dupe and attract. So, yes, there is a bigger lesson here for athletes, celebrities, politicians, and all public figures, one that I live by. Do not mess with anyone who has nothing to lose. And those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.